following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good evening to those who are here. It's a joy to pray with you just for about an hour now, a little under an hour, but it's a blessing to do that. For those who are just joining us online, we welcome you. And uh, pray that you are blessed by uh, the word that's going to be spoken this evening, God's word, that is, and uh, that there would be fruit from this. We um, finished our study in Galatians now, and so there is nowhere else to turn in that book. We did start a uh, new study on Sunday evening of last, uh, and that was on the book of Ruth. And uh, so we'll continue that in time here, but this evening I'd like to pause, at least on that study, and uh, consider something else in lieu of time, the time that I'm in specifically, but uh, as I look around uh, to those that are here this evening, I think it's applicable to all of us. And uh, I've titled this evening's study, To Be a Faithful Father. To be a faithful father, and uh, people have of late congratulated me on the fact that I am now a father, and I don't say this in response to you, in, in uh, necessarily correction, but I do like to say, well, I have been a father for the last nine months, and uh, I consider that little girl, even though she was inside the womb, to be my daughter and to be alive, and so I have been a father now for five, nine months, but now I get to finally hold her. And uh, that has been a blessing to have that little one in my arms and to consider the many years, Lord willing, that uh, she will have with us and the joy that she will bring to us and, and hopefully likewise to her from us. But I pose this question this evening, what does it mean to be a faithful father? In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm sure we're all familiar with this passage. In chapter 6, verse 4, Paul writes these words, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord or instruction of the Lord. The Colossian parallel reads this in Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. While children are to obey both parents, this is implied even though uh, we see in verse 1 of chapter 6, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers bear special responsibility for disciplining their children, and are specifically singled out by Paul in the present passage to discipline and to instruct them, instruct them in the way of the Lord. The apostles' exhortation to fathers not to exasperate their children echoes his earlier concern about anger in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Let me read that to you here this evening. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. 
And also in verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. While the positive injunction to bring up children and the training and admonition of the Lord recalls the earlier emphasis on learning Christian teaching in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Let me read that to you as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 reads, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your, for, your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And we do that by understanding and reading and being trained in God's word. And so the father is also given the responsibility to teach his children to do the same as he has been instructed to do. We'll be considering this evening Paul's prohibition in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 at the beginning, and follow this up with a number of commands or qualities that help define the role of fatherhood. As we read here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, we see Paul's prohibition to fathers where he says, do not provoke your children to wrath. To be an excellent father is to not provoke a child to anger. Because a father was by far the dominant figure in the households of that day, he was the parent who would most often provoke his children to anger. But a mother is obviously capable of doing the same thing, is she not? (laughs) And yet she is no more justified in doing it than is a father. Parents, therefore, are to avoid attitudes, words, or actions that have the effect of provoking anger in their children. And uh, as I teach this, I hope you understand that I am teaching myself first this. I'm not accusing anyone, but I am hoping to instruct us all in the way in which we are to raise up our children There are many ways in which a father or mother could provoke a child to anger, some of which includes perhaps the idea of, have you ever unreasonably put harsh demands or expectations upon a child that we know they cannot meet? Perhaps there has been an abuse of authority through words or even physical actions. Perhaps... You have provoked a child to anger by showing favoritism, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation, or failing to make sacrifices for your children, making them feel unwanted. There are many other forms of insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities that we must be careful not to do and therefore provoke them to anger. Children are persons with dignity in their own right. They are not slaves owned by their parents, but are entrusted to their parents by God as a sacred stewardship. 
In the Colossians passage, that is Colossians 3, 20, and 21, Paul notes that as a result of improper treatment, children may become discouraged. Let me turn there, and you can turn there as well if you'd like. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Here Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And then he follows up with this parallel prohibition. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Indeed, few things are more heartbreaking than a child who has lost heart, or worse, resents his or her father or mother because of poor parenting. If anger is prolonged, Satan will seek to exploit the familial discord to further his own ends, will he not? And so Paul carefully and specifically instructs fathers to not provoke their children to anger. We don't only have a prohibition, though, for what makes a faithful father, that is, a faithful father to the Lord, according to his standards, but we also have a number of qualities of godly fatherhood, of what it means to be a faithful father. Positively, fathers are to bring up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We see that at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, where he instructs them to bring them up in the training an admonition of the Lord or a discipline and instruction of the Lord. Here, the term to bring up or nourish is used similarly in Ephesians chapter 5, 29 for Christ's nurture of his church, conveying the sense of rearing children to maturity. We have a, an example of this kind of test, or this testimony of kind of training and maturity in Second Timothy chapter three. Verse 14 and 15, where Paul writes to Timothy, "But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them." And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We know that Paul, or excuse me, that Timothy had this kind of training because of what Paul says at the beginning of Second Timothy chapter one, when he writes to him in verse five, "When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you." that which, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. You can perceive that Timothy was trained in the word, though not specifically mentioning his father here, but from a young age being trained to understand the word and to live by it, to heed it. And therefore, it did cause him to come to a knowledge of Christ and to be saved. Looking back at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, we see two ways in which the father is to act and to raise his child. One way is to train them or to disciple them, excuse me, discipline them. And the idea of discipline connotes the idea of overall training, which does include 
punishment for wrongdoing. In Proverbs 13, verse 24, it says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. As well in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14, it says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. And so we see the responsibility of the father is to train them, that is to discipline them, even punish them for wrongdoing so that in the end, their soul may be saved if they come to know Christ. It is better for a momentary punishment than an eternal damnation from God. And it is an act of love to do so. We see that Paul not only exhorts them, the fathers, that is to train them or to discipline them, but also to grow them in the admonition of the Lord or instruction of the Lord. Instruction is literally a putting in mind. It also includes the connotation of correction. It refers to the type of instruction found in the book of Proverbs, which we just read from, where the primary focus is on the training and teaching of children. It does not have as much to do with the factual information as with right attitudes and principles of behavior. I pray that as fathers we are helping our children to understand how to apply God's word, not just to factually know it, not just to merely have a mental acuity of what God's word says, but what it causes or calls us to do, what it calls us to do, how we are to behave and the kind of attitude that it it requires us to have. Moving beyond our discussion of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and looking at other relevant New Testament references, we observe that the father's primary role is to provide for their children and to ensure proper nurture and discipline. This this involves formal as well as informal education and entails the exercise of various forms of discipline, often including physical discipline, as we saw in Proverbs as well, instructing them to discipline them and to use the rod for correction. We see that this, this act of discipline is exemplified or is, uh, is testified about in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning... In verse 5, the author writes this, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not 
much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? And so the author brings out this idea that we expect the chastening of human fathers. And it is for the child's good. It is so that it it causes them to mature and to respect and to be subject to their human father. And so the Lord also chastens his sons, his daughters, those whom he loves. And so we have the perfect example of our Heavenly Father and the way in which he treats his children. And therefore, as fathers, we are to follow that kind of example, chastening and disciplining our children in love and for their own good. We also see that though the father is to discipline their children, he is also to be gentle with them and provide for their physical needs. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, if you'll turn with me there, First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes this to Timothy, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, that would be his children and his spouse, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so our exhortation and our command as fathers is to provide for our household. It is our responsibility. It is our privilege. And it is, as Paul writes to Timothy, worse to be worse than an unbeliever if we are not to provide for them as we are instructed to do. We also have the example of treating our children with gentleness from Paul's interactions with the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this to to the Corinthians in verse 14, beginning there. 1 Corinthians 4, 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Paul's example of fathering the Corinthians is one in which we ought to follow the same as we care for our children We are to set an example, we are to instruct them, to discipline them, but also to set an an example worth imitating. You may also look with me for a moment at 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 11, actually let me begin in verse 10. 
Paul writes this, You are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly, justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Here again, we see the example of Paul and how he interacted with the Thessalonians and those in the church there, exhorting them, comforting, charging them as a father would and should his own children. It is also interesting that to note that the skills required to govern in a public setting must first be mastered in the home. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in regards to the qualifications of an elder, a bishop or pastor, Paul writes these qualities or or these requirements, these stipulations. He says in verse 3, about halfway down there, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. And look at verse 5, For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And so we note here that to have authority and to have a well-taken-care-of household is a requirement for the public office of pastor, and it is an important matter, a weighty matter to be able to rule the household well. And so the father has that responsibility. Now, by way of implication, fathers and mothers must strike a balance between proper discipline and a loving, nurturing spirit of support. Neither the encouraging parent who neglects to discipline his child nor the strict disciplinarian father fulfills the biblical idea of parenting. Paul sought to strike such a balance when he wrote the Thessalonian believers that he and his associates had sought to be gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children, as 1 Thessalonians 2.7 says, dealing with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians 2.11-12. through 12. And so, to be a faithful father, one must, as we have seen this evening, not provoke his children to anger. But he must be a disciplinarian, be an instructor of God's word, but yet at the same time be gentle, to be a provider and to be loving in all that he does, and to be an example to his children to follow. Ultimately, fathers ought to look to their heavenly father as the perfect example. 
They ought to know that their fatherhood derives from the one God and Father of all, who cares and provides with utter perfection and faithfulness for his children and acts as a perfect father toward them all. My encouragement to you this evening, both father and mother, are you being the kind of faithful parent that God has called you to be? What does it mean to be a faithful parent? Well, we've looked at a few things this evening to describe that kind of quality of a person, the character of that kind of person. But there are many more qualities of a faithful father or a faithful mother that we have not looked this evening at. But my encouragement to you is to find those things out, to search deeply within Scripture so that you may be that kind of parent that properly disciplines and instructs them in the way of the Lord. We have that encouraging general truth from Proverbs, which says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Of course, we know that God's work of salvation is his own, but we do have that burden of responsibility to lead them in that direction. And so I pray that each of you this evening, and for those who are listening online, would you take up that mantle of responsibility? If it's not yours to bear yet, because perhaps you're not a father or a mother at this time, I pray that you consider these things and prepare your heart and mind and your life to be able to do those things. Let's pray this evening as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father, that you are the perfect example of fatherhood. Lord, that you love your children, that you care for them even to the point in which you are willing to chasten them, to discipline them. Oh God, we ask that as fathers this evening or mothers, Lord, that we would take up this responsibility with much concern, with much thought and much preparation and with much sweat, time, and sacrifice. Lord, help us to not put to the wayside that responsibility that we have to care for our children, Lord, to discipline them and to instruct them for their good. Lord, we pray that we would be not fathers that provoke our children to wrath, to not set upon them expectations or to discourage them, Lord, but to love them and to nurture them, Lord, and support them as you have called us to do. Lord, help me and each one here this evening to be that faithful parent, to be a faithful father, to be a faithful mother. And Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in those efforts and all that we do in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those who are here this evening. Pray that you'll enjoy some warm fellowship and time this evening before you go your way. And thank you for those who are joining us online. We pray that the Lord will bless you this evening. 
and that you will experience his tender mercies this week in your name, in his name. And may I dismiss you, and may you have a good evening. Thank you.